Hi there, Pastor John here. Before we begin worship, I wanted to take a moment to let you know this week we've started using a different recording process, and so things may sound just a little bit different uh, than they do usually, but we think this will work out better in the long run. But in the meantime, please be patient with us and know that God speaks even through crackly audio. May the grace and peace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, I welcome you to the First Baptist Church of Oregon City Worship Podcast out of a desire to love our neighbors well and to protect the most vulnerable among us from the awful effects and spread of this virus that is ravaging our city, our state, our nation, and our world. We are continuing to suspend in-person worship and instead worship the are worshiping via podcast, recognizing that wherever we are, Jesus is Lord. Today is the first Sunday of Advent, uh, which is also the first Sunday of the church calendar or the Christian year, whatever you want to call it. Um, it is the first of four Sundays where we prepare our hearts, where we prepare our, uh, our church, and where we look at how we prepare our world uh, for the coming of Jesus at Christmas. But we also look at how we prepare all of that for the return of Jesus, when, when Jesus himself comes back uh, to our world to sit, set everything right and establish his eternal kingdom. But more on that later. Right now, we are glad that you are worshiping with us this morning. Um, just a couple of notes for you. This is the last call for recipes for our cookie exchange. We are still doing a cookie exchange this year, uh, but much like everything else in, in 2020, uh, things look just a little bit different. What we're asking you to do is if you have a favorite cookie recipe, everybody seems to have a, a, a cookie recipe this time of year. Uh, if you have a favorite cookie recipe, um, something that's very special to you that you'd like to share with your church family, please email it to baptist.church at comcast.net and we will compile those and send them out. We'd like to have them by 
uh, Monday and November the 30th, if possible, um, so that we can send those out. And on uh, December the 13th, on our Zoom coffee hour, we will be uh, sharing our cookies and eating our cookies uh, together. And maybe you can make one of the recipes that we share around, or you can make whatever is special to you and your family. But either way, that's coming up December 13th at 11 a.m. I also wanted to make a note this morning to those who are listening to our podcast, but who may never have been to our church. I want you to know that you are part of our church family and that we pray for you and that we lift you up in, in prayer. And, and we hope that you are encouraged and feel loved and know the Lordship of Christ and the blessings of, uh, of belonging to a community of believers, even the, in these unusual times and unusual circumstances. If there's a way that we can love and care for you near and far, uh, wherever you are, please get in touch with us. Our email address again is baptist.church at comcast.net. And let us know how you're encouraged by our podcast. Let us know how we can be praying for you. Let us know how Christ is using uh, the worship of the gathered body of Christ, the virtually gathered body of Christ, uh, to lift you up and, and to guide you into loving and serving our Lord better. We thank you for being with us this morning. Uh, and may Christ, the spirit of Christ and the spirit of truth be in our midst as we worship. Let all of the world sing a chorus of 
Let's bow our heads in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are our Father and our God. Today we move into the Advent season. So Father, just as you sent John the Baptist to prepare the way for Jesus, help us to clear a path in our hearts too. Show us the distractions in our lives that block us from all-out worship of you this Advent. Lord, we await your coming as we celebrate the first Advent, the first coming. We look toward the day where we will see you face to face. We imagine what it will be like. Give us hearts, Lord, that looks for your coming on a daily basis. Help us to live our lives where we are constantly seeking your presence. Our offering to you today is our righteous life, for we know we are only clean because of Jesus. Show us today how we need to be refined, purified, forgiven. Give us the strength to ask for forgiveness and to change our ways. The first week of Advent gives us hope from every word in the scriptures points to the gift of hope that we have because of Christ Jesus. Christmas story wasn't the beginning of that message of hope because the Old Testament is full of glimpses of your plan to redeem your people and restore them into a relationship with you. But we are able to truly begin to see and understand just how great your love is for us. When we read the story of Jesus' birth in scripture, help us to see that you are with us. Nothing is too difficult too messy or too dirty for you. Jesus came to give us the gift of eternal life through the salvation that only you, our Heavenly Father, can give when we believe on your Son. Repent of our sins and confess Jesus as our Lord and Savior. At first Christmas, you gave us the gift of hope, wrapped in swaddling clothes and laid in a manger. Thank you, Father, for your immeasurable gift. Father, we lift up to you those who are ill, and we think of, of Audrey as she is facing a medical condition, and we ask that you be with her and with her family, uh, Tom and Chuck and Darla. It's uh, a tough time of the year to go through an illness like this, so we ask that you give them peace and comfort during this time. For others that are facing treatments, especially those who are battling COVID-19. We know you love them, Lord, and I ask that you will be with them during their time of convalescence. Be with those who have other prayer needs. You know what those prayer needs are. You will answer each and every one of these requests. My prayer is that each one will follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. Be with our young church, and I lift up the prayer request each person may have. Again, Again, Lord, you know what each request is. I pray that each person will seek your guidance as they sort out the craziness of the times. Be with Melissa, Ashley, and Sherry as they lead these young people. May the Holy Spirit be their guide. I pray for a blessing upon our congregation pandemic as it continues leaves some isolated and lonely. I pray we reach out to those who need a word of encouragement. I also pray for the neighborhood that our church is located in. Be with those who live in this neighborhood and if they have needs and our church can help, place it in our hearts to do so. Help us to be prayer warriors for our neighbors. Be with our pastor today as he begins a series of messages that celebrate Advent. May he be filled with the Holy Spirit as he brings us these messages. May our pad podcast be a blessing to all that hear it. Despite the times we live in, may our worship during this Advent season be one of hope, peace, joy, and love. 
as we celebrate the birth of your son, Jesus Christ. In Jesus' precious name, we pray, amen. The thought of my suffering and homelessness is bitter beyond words. I will never forget this awful time as I grieve over my loss. Yet I still dare to hope when I remember this. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise Him again, my Savior and my God. Great is His faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance. Therefore, I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who depend on him and to those who search for him. Blessed are those who trust in the Lord and who have made the Lord their hope and confidence. They are like trees planted along a riverbank with roots that reach deep into the water. Such trees are not bothered by the heat or worried by long months of drought. Their leaves stay green and they never stop producing fruit. Even the wilderness and desert will be glad in those days. The wasteland will rejoice and blossom with spring crocuses. Yes, there will be an abundance of flowers and singing and joy. The deserts will become as green as the mountains of Lebanon, as lovely as Mount Carmel or the plain of Sharon. Where the Lord will display his glory, the splendor of our God. With this news, strengthen those who have tired hands and encourage those who have weak knees. Say to those with fearful hearts, be strong and do not fear. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance, and endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us, because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. We put our hope in the Lord. He is our help and our shield. In him, our hearts rejoice, we trust in his holy name. Let your unfailing love surround us, Lord, for our hope is in you alone. We always thank God for you and pray for you constantly. As we pray to the Father about you, we think of your faithful work, loving deeds, and the enduring hope you have because of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to leave a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. For there is one body and one spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. May our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us and by his grace gave us eternal comfort and a wonderful hope, comfort you and strengthen you in every good thing you do and say. So prepare your minds for action and exercise self-control. Put all your hope in the gracious salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. Look at my servant, whom I have chosen. He is my beloved, who pleases me. I will put my spirit upon him, and he will proclaim justice to the nations. He will not fight or shout or raise his voice in public. He will not crush the weakest reed or put out the flickering candle. Finally, he will cause justice to be victorious. His name will be the hope of all the world. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our scripture reading for the morning comes from the book of Philippians, chapter 3, verses 17 through 21. 
Again, this is Philippians chapter 3, verses 17 through 21, and I'll be reading from the New Living Translation. Dear brothers and sisters, pattern your lives after mine and learn from those who follow our example. For I have told you often before, and I say it again with tears in my eyes, that there are many whose conduct shows they are really enemies of the cross of Christ. They are headed for destruction. Their God is their appetite. They brag about shameful things, and they think only about this life here on earth. But we are citizens of heaven, where the Lord Jesus Christ lives, and we are eagerly waiting for him to return as our Savior. He will take our weak mortal bodies and change them into glorious bodies like his own, using the same power with which he will bring everything under his control. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We come to the season of Advent, and <clears throat> I think it is appropriate that Advent begins what we would call the, the calendar of the church or the Christian year, however you like to word it. It is a time that we prepare. It's a time that we get ready because we know Christmas is coming. We know, uh, you know, we, we saw if you watched on TV, the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. What's the last thing that happens every year on uh, at the, the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade, but Santa Claus shows up. And we know that our world has already moved towards this, this Christmas holiday. But the church isn't there yet. God's people are not to rush right into Christmas. It's the same reason we don't rush right into Easter. Have you ever thought about that? Advent and Lent are the similar times of preparation to Christmas and Easter. We don't just say, okay, it's Christmas now, boom, Christ is here, hallelujah, or Christ is risen, Christ is risen indeed, hallelujah, amen. We prepare ourselves for it. We get ready for it. And there's a lot of getting ready that's happening right now for in the world for Christmas. If you're anything like me, you got a barrage of Black Friday e marketing emails uh, over the past few days. We are not preparing for Christmas in just in that regard, though I, I know lots of people are doing shopping and things like that. We're preparing for a dual arrival of Christ. We are preparing to recognize that yes, God was born as a human, didn't just you know, come down and, and put on uh, human clothes or, or the, the appearance of a human, but Jesus was born as a human being, and we are preparing for that, yes. But we are also preparing, and this is, this is as much of a focus, if not more of a focus of Advent than just the birth of Christ is we are preparing for the return of Jesus to our world. And the first Sunday of Advent has the theme of hope. And I think it's particularly important as we look at preparing ourselves, preparing our church, preparing our world for, for Christ in both senses, that we start with hope. So what is the Christian hope? How, how do we define the Christian hope? The Christian hope is that Jesus will return in power to earth to transform this world, establishing the eternal rule of God to resurrect the dead and reign over his people, present amongst his people. What we're not talking about when we talk about um, this, this Christian hope is we're not talking about a, a particular form of escapism. We're not talking about escape from this planet. The Christian hope is not that we are going to be rescued, so to speak, from our world or, or anything along those lines. 
the Christian hope, again, is for God to reign over his people, for Christ to return and establish this kingdom in its fullness. Christ has died, Christ is risen, and Christ's kingdom is reigning now. Jesus is Lord over heaven and earth. But we anticipate the fullness of this kingdom when Christ returns. And we're not talking about, that's why we're not talking about escape, is because God came here once and he took on a human body. He was born as a human. And so we're looking for him to come bodily again and to reign over our world. We're also not talking about simply making the world a better place through good deeds. We can get caught up in that too. We can get caught up in the thinking that we can establish uh, some sort of, of Christian kingdom, some sort of reign of Jesus, if we can just uh, implement this policy or establish that charity or get the right person into political office. That's not what we're talking about either. Because it's the work of Christ. It's the work of Jesus. It is the, the finger of God that is present amongst humanity. And we are looking for God to return and establish this kingdom over his people. Anything that disconnects Christian hope and expectation from the present world is really troublesome when it comes to the Christian hope. Because Jesus was very much connected through his life and ministry to the needs of our current world. And then after the resurrection, he didn't return as a ghost. He didn't return as a spirit. He returned in bodily form. Thus saying, this world matters. Being a human matters. Being a human means something because you are the image of God as a human being. And so Jesus returns to earth as a human because he was ascended as a human and he was resurrected as a human. Jesus is reigning now as a human in heaven. We don't understand it fully, but we don't have to because it's the truth of scripture. When we disconnect Christian hope from this present world, we have a number of problems because we immediately sound trite when it comes to addressing what's going on in the world. You know, imagine if you were, you know, if, um, if you were very thirsty and you're sitting there and somebody comes along and they've got like a, a you know, one of those big, massive, um, uh, 24 packs of water from the grocery store. They've got all these bottles of water and you're sitting there and you're so thirsty and it's, you know, August and it's like 90 degrees out. And you say, please, you know, I see you've got this, this big package of water. I'm so thirsty. Can I have just one water bottle? And the person who goes walking by with the water says, oh, I really hope you get some water from somewhere. And they keep on walking. If we disconnect our Christian hope from the present world, that's what we sound like. We sound like people who have something great and wonderful, but we don't have anything to offer anybody now. And if we disconnect Christian hope from Jesus and just make it, you know, trying to make the world a better place, so to speak, then what we're saying is that there is going to be this interminable struggle that will never end where things will always be you know, kind of bad or kind of good and it will more or less hinge on us. But the Christian hope again hinges on God's love and care for this present world, the world that we live in right now and God's intention to redeem it. 
as Jim said in his prayer, you get glimpses through the Old Testament of God's plan to redeem the world. And then when we meet Jesus, we say, yes, this is it. This is what we've been talking about all along. And Jesus dies and is resurrected and ascends. And Jesus is in control. And means by his return to finish the entire redemption of the world and the transformation into God's eternal kingdom. That's the plan. That's God's intention laid out clearly in scripture. But yet, if, if the past eight and a half months of human history have taught us anything, it's that this world is still broken. Jesus is Lord, but his lordship is not acknowledged in, in every corner of our world. Jesus is Lord, but we still experience the effects of sin. We still experience the effects of death. We still experience the, the brokenness of humanity as we see people engage in, in power struggles, as we see people ignore warnings by dedicated healthcare professionals, as we see people who seek ill will for other people, as we see forces of, of power trying to maintain that power, and as we see people who are just crying out for equality, simple equality, in the face of, of some colors of skin being preferred over others. We know this world is broken. I don't have to spend a real long time at this point in 2020 convincing anyone <laughs> that our world is broken. We see it, we live it. But the question is, what do we do about it? And there's this great phrase, in the meantime, and in the meantime means that something is going on, but we're waiting for something else. And so what's going on while we're waiting for something else? In the meantime, you know, think back to, I think back to my, my childhood and my, my sister uh, was born with a birth defect. And because of that, she had to make regular visits to West Virginia University uh, Children's Hospital in Morgantown, West Virginia. And I knew that when those times came up, that it was an in the meantime sort of situation. We would get in the car and we knew that we were going to Morgantown, but Morgantown was also like two and a half hour, two and a half, three hours away, which to a, a kid is like nine and a half or 10 hours from the way that it seems. And so you get in the car and in the meantime, I'm going to read a book. And we would get to the children's hospital and, you know, we'd get there before the appointment. And even when they did have the appointment, they were invariably running behind. And so in the meantime, we played with the toys that they had set out on the, the, the coffee table. We know Jesus is coming back. Jesus told us he is coming back. And he's not leaving us alone. So what do we do in the meantime? Well, I'll tell you. In the meantime, we bring hope to the world by preparing the world for the age to come. And this is where we go back to our scripture from this morning. Because the first thing that we need to remember is that the cross calls us into solidarity with the suffering of the world. We can't separate ourselves as followers of Jesus from the suffering of the world. Because when we do, as Paul says, we become one of those people who denies the cross of Christ. Some have interpreted this passage as uh, in, in saying denying the cross of Christ to mean that they are denying 
Christ, and that's halfway there. The other half is saying they are denying the cross of Christ by denying their association with Jesus' suffering. Paul is writing Philippians from prison. It is one of his prison letters. And as Paul's writing, he is living out his suffering for Jesus. And in the early church, in, in the group of people that he was writing to, to claim the cross of Christ was to claim public shame and humiliation. Jesus did not suffer a magnificent, glorious death worthy of, of songs and admiration. Jesus died naked, nailed to a bit of wood. And when we realize the reality of that, we realize that especially in the shame-based culture uh, of the shame and honor-driven culture of first century Roman world, we realize that to associate yourself with someone who had been crucified was to associate yourself with shame. But this is exactly what Paul is telling us to do. Paul is saying that if we want to live into the meantime, into this waiting period until Christ returns, that we associate ourselves with the shame and suffering of the cross, which means associating ourselves with the shame and suffering of the world. There's a great temptation in our world to follow along with strong, charismatic leaders. We glorify strong people who have strong words and who can dominate over other people. Um, we, we do this with our leaders. We also do this with, um, with our sports teams. We do this with competitions. We do this with, with everything else. I watched the last uh, couple minutes of Oregon State beating Oregon last night or the other night. And... Um, and I know there are lots of people who are rejoicing over the domination of Oregon by Oregon State. And there are lots of people who uh, are big Oregon supporters who feel somewhat ashamed um, by the loss of, of their football team. We like power. We, we see power and our world is bent towards power. But when we are bent towards the cross, we are bent towards suffering. We're not called as Christians to seek out the powerful in this world. We're called as followers of Jesus to associate ourselves with the suffering of the world. We're called to associate ourselves with those who are in pain, those who are in agony, those who are being cast out and pushed down by the powers in the world. And in the meantime, if we want to prepare ourselves, and offer this hope of Jesus, we have to be well acquainted with the suffering of the world. And I don't just mean the suffering that looks like our type of suffering, the suffering that's similar to what we're going through. When we see suffering, we need to do what we can to understand it and to live into it in a way that is that associates us with Jesus, who associated himself with suffering. Another thing that we need to do is realign our thinking. Because sometimes, as I said, as we, being humans, being broken creatures, we lust after power. We lust after control. And I think as we've watched COVID unfold, we have, we have felt this lack of control over our world and our environment. And a lot of the, the struggles that, that people have with um, precautions and, and things like that are they sense a lack of control. And we have to realign our thinking away from power and control and and thinking that earthly priorities are what matter. Um, 
I, I am uh, acquainted well with realignment. I, like many other people my age, had braces growing up and braces are still a thing. I don't think teeth are getting any less crooked worldwide. Um, but I had an overbite. And fortunately, I did not have to wear this during the daytime. But at night, I had this strap that went around my neck and connected to this wiry, awful metal contraption in the front of my face that was designed to set my mouth correctly so that my teeth were in the right order. And even then, I still had to wear the braces. <laughs> so I had braces, I had headgear, I had the whole thing trying to realign my, my face so that it looked a little better. And you can argue amongst yourselves as to whether the facial realignment was really an improvement or not. But my, my self-deprecation aside, sometimes we, we have this duality where we think, there's the earthly things that we have to pay attention to with one particular set of values and heavenly things that we can set our minds on with another set of values. And it was C.S. Lewis who said that if you focus on earth, you miss out on heaven. If you focus on heaven, you get earth thrown in. And when we have our priorities and our hopes set, on the renewal and transformation of our world when Christ comes back to us. In the meantime, we become people who are very effective at bringing this hope to life in our world. Paul talks about people who, whose God are their appetites, who talk about shameful things. And we may be tempted to just relegate that to morally shameful things, to, to people who uh, engage in, in all sorts of, of things that we would label as sin, rightfully label as sin. Gluttony, overindulgence, lust, uh, you name it, it goes on and on uh, in a personal sort of way. But whenever our values are aligned towards power, whenever our values are aligned with control, whenever our values are aligned with status in our world, that's also talking about shameful things. When our appetite is for power and destruction, we're not exhibiting the values of the kingdom. And so our thinking has to be realigned as well. But then the other thing that we do in the meantime to bring this hope is we prepare for the return of Christ. Paul puts it this way. I want to read it again. We are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives, and we are eagerly awaiting for him to return as our Savior. He will take our weak mortal bodies and change them into glorious bodies like his own using the same power which he will, with which he will bring everything under his control. When we are in the meantime, sometimes we can lose sight of the return of Christ. Sometimes we can lose sight of the transformation that the return of Christ will bring. But if we are living into this hope, we need to start getting our world ready for the return of Christ. We can bring hope into the world by making our world now, remaking our world now in Jesus's name into the way that the world will look when Christ returns. How do we do that? We do that by just doing the simple things that Jesus told us to do. We do that by paying attention to those who are in suffering and working to alleviate that suffering. We do that to, by feeding those who are hungry. We do that by um, providing clothes to those who, who don't have winter clothing right now. Um, and, and Christians over the years have had a remarkably broad imagination when it comes to what can we do to make our world look like the world to come.
And we do this within our communities, but we also look at places where the power structures of this world are putting their thumb down on vulnerable people. We look at the places where the, the political structures of our world, and yes, I said that word politics, we look at where the political structures of our world are holding people down and creating situations of suffering. And we, we use the discernment of the Holy Spirit to see where this is happening. And I'm not saying that, that it is our job as Christians to get somebody Christian in power. So from the top down, that, that Christianity can be enforced in, in any particular land. This is not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, if we are making way for Christ's return, if we are preparing our world, if we are offering the hope of Jesus, and there are people who are left without hope, then we need to find what is robbing them of the hope of wholeness, the hope of completeness, the hope of wellness. And we need to work on that. Because in the meantime, we are to be the hands and feet of Jesus in our world. In the meantime, we are to be introducing our world to this great hope that we have. And yes, we do it through our words. And yes, we do it through our actions. But we do it through ourselves and who we are as well. And if we allow this hope to take hold of us, this hope that Jesus is going to return and transform the world, in the meantime, we will be, in Jesus' name, doing that hard work of transforming the world as well. As we think about the upcoming Christmas holiday, we usually, in normal years, would be thinking about having people over. And we might be thinking about cleaning our houses and, and straightening things up and putting out the right decorations and trying to remember that ugly decoration that our, our mother-in-law gave us so many years ago that, that she'll be hurt if she doesn't see out on our table. And we prepare our homes for Christmas. This is what we're doing in our world. We are preparing this world, our home, for the rightful Lord of our world, Jesus Christ, to fulfill the hope that he promised in us.
Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Almighty God, give us grace to cast away the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Now in the time of this mortal life in which your son Jesus Christ came to visit us in great humility, that in that last day, when he shall come again in his glorious majesty to judge both the living and the dead, we may rise to the life immortal. Through him who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. We thank you for joining us today in worship as we have talked about preparing our hearts, our lives, and our world for the arrival of Christ, both the arrival of Christ at Christmas and the return of Christ uh, physically into our world. And we pray that as we have sung and prayed and read scripture and proclaimed God's word, that the spirit of God would have been stirring in your soul. Um, If there's something that you need to talk about, if there is a, a, a way that we can be praying for you, please don't hesitate to contact the church. Our website is onebaptistchurch.org. That's the numeral one, Baptist, B-A-P-T-I-S-T, church.org. And you can find all of our contact information there. There's even a thing where you can type in your prayer request and hit send, and it shows up in our email. Um, So please, if there's any way that we can love and serve you, if there's any way that you need any thing that you need extra hope for this, this week or these, these coming weeks, please get in touch with us. I'd like to thank our Director of Worship and Youth, Melissa Mellinger, for leading us in music. I'd like to thank our church moderator, Jim Leatherman, for leading us in prayer. I'd like to thank Jeannie Vance for the prelude, which was Yesu, Joy of Man's Desiring, and Come Thou Long Expected Jesus. I'd like to thank Katie Witham for leading us in the creative scripture reading, and I'd like to thank Gary and Doreen Hunley, uh, our audio engineers, for making everything sound good. And remember, love God, love your neighbor, wear your mask, and wash your hands.